From Washington, this is CQ on Congress, the nonpartisan source for in-depth analysis of Capitol Hill's policy debates. I am Sean Zeller. Public opinion is shifting on impeachment. Recent polls show a majority, or close to it, favor impeaching President Donald Trump and removing him from office. He stands accused of pressing the president of Ukraine to investigate a political rival, former Vice President Joe Biden. Let's start with this new poll. I find it really striking. 51% of registered voters say the president should be impeached and removed from office. My first guest today is Brad Bannon, a Democratic pollster. I spoke to him last week in the midst of a two-week congressional recess about how to read the polls coming in. And later, some sad news. Capitol Hill lost a legend on October 17th, Elijah Cummings, who was a key figure in the Democrats' impeachment inquiry as the chairman of the Oversight and Reform Committee. More on him later. So Brad, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me on again, Sean. The Democrats in the House have begun an impeachment inquiry. And the polls have started to reflect that. They've started to reflect a change in the American voters' opinions about whether impeachment is appropriate. What do you read from what you're seeing? Well, there have been a number of polls done since the, since Speaker Pelosi announced the uh, inquiry into impeachment. And they all sur- show a sur- surge in support for impeachment. Now, generally, uh, before the announcement of the inquiry, only about uh, a third of Americans uh, supported impeachment, which is one of the reasons why the speaker was so slow in moving in that direction, because there was very little public support for it. Right. Uh, she was worried it would hurt her party. Democrat Nancy Pelosi was worried it would hurt Democrats if they went ahead with only a third of the public, their, the diehard progressives, really, uh, favoring impeachment. Yes. And it was very low. It was really in the low to middle 30s, and that's it. Uh, but there was definitely a surge in support for impeachment after the speaker announced the beginning of the inquiry. Now you have basically, whereas you were in the low to mid 30s support before, it's now all is anywhere from 45% to 50% uh, based on which poll you look at. And the key thing about the surge it's been a surge in support among independents. Uh, one poll that I saw, the uh, Harris, uh, Harris X poll, which was done last week, it showed a surge in support for impeachment from 35% to uh, 47%. And the key thing was the surge was based on a surge among independents. Uh, the number of independents who supported impeachment in the uh, June and most most recent Harris poll showed that the support among independents for impeachment had doubled, and that accounted for the national surge. So, but Republicans have Republicans have not yet been moved. So, what we're seeing is Democrats and independents coming to favor the inquiry, at least if not impeachment of the president and his removal yeah, from office. True. But and Republicans, the, Republicans are standing by the president. Is that also what the polls are showing? Yeah, Republicans are rock solid by against impeachment, and they always will be. 
Uh, Democrats have always been very supportive. But the key thing, and this is a, a troubling sign for the president, is that the independence, where there was very little support for impeachment before, has surged significantly. Uh, and it's the independents who are going to make the difference because the Democrats are always going to be solid for, solidly for impeachment. The Republicans are always going to be rock hard against it. Uh, but the troubling sign for the president in the new surveys is that uh, in, it's, uh, support for impeachment is growing among independents. Right, but that seems like it's troubling in a political sense that he has to face the voter uh, a little more than a year from now, 13 months from now, um, and without independence, he's in trouble. But as far yeah. as impeachment and his removal from office goes, it seems like that will not happen so long as Republicans remain in his corner. It seems well, highly yeah, unlikely. It's highly unlikely. I mean, you need 67 votes to remove the president from office, and there are only 46 Democratic senators uh, but it does taint the wood. It probably, you know, the reality is he's going to be very unlikely that he's actually going to be removed from office. Uh, but the problem is uh, support for his removal is growing among independents, uh, and they may decide to remove him themselves in November of next year. So Nancy Pelosi, uh, Congress, uh has taken a two-week recess here at the end of September and early October, and her directive to Democrats was to go home to their districts and make the case for impeachment. And so the Democrats who brought the House majority to the party, many of them are from districts, 31 of them are from districts that Donald Trump won in the 2016 election. Now, of those 31, 21 have come around to support the inquiry. And they're having to go home and make that case to an electorate that is sympathetic to Donald Trump. Do you have any sense of how they're doing that and how they're making the case to an electorate that voted for Donald Trump? Well, they're making, they're basically making the argument uh, that the president's actions uh, are in, are, you know, upsetting the stable, the fragile fabric of democracy you have. Uh, you have a president uh, who is uh, acting unilaterally uh, without bipartisan support. Uh, but they, it's interesting because now that they're back in their districts, they are getting another, they're facing another problem, which is uh, voters still want their members of Congress uh, to talk about the issues they're concerned about. And one of the things that's happening at these congressional town meetings at home is that voters want, voters aren't fixated on impeachment the same way people in Washington are. Uh, their constituents want them to talk about health care and gun violence and the slowing economy. And apparently there are very few questions about impeachments coming from their constituents. Constituents will want to talk about the issues that are, you know, facing, you know, directly affecting them. And it, the talk about impeachment is a high priority in Washington. But there, there are a lot of other issues that apparently are more concerned to Americans. 
And that, that's a problem the Democrats, the Democratic members of Congress and the presidential candidates are going to have to face. Uh, Americans still want to hear about the issue, the problems that are affecting their life, like health care uh, and the economy. Uh, and they're not fixated, and the polls show this too, that the uh, Americans aren't fixated on impeachment the same way that people in Washington are. Uh, they still want so the, their... So those Democrats, Brad, those Democrats from the Trump districts then are taking a bit of a risk here. They're, they're going out on a political limb. Yes, they are. And, you know, Americans, you know, the fact that we've got all this... Uh, you know, confusion and chaos in Washington uh, hasn't um, dealt with the fact that Americans are still worried about uh, their financial situation. They're worried about the danger of their pro- the financial problems they face if a if a family member got very ill, critically ill, or in a serious accident. Those haven't magically disappeared just because there's an impeachment going on in Washington. So these Democrats in these uh, competitive districts that you're talking about have to have to you know keep their eyes on the prize and not get distracted by so much by impeachment. They don't talk about the issues that Americans really care about. All right, Brad, we appreciate you coming on the show. Uh, thanks for having me on again, Sean. It's a pleasure. Now to the legacy of Congressman Elijah Cummings, the son of sharecroppers who became a pioneer in American politics, representing Baltimore in the House for 12 terms. In 2017, during President Obama's administration, he sat down with my CQ Roll Call colleague Jason Dick to talk about the Obamas, Barack and Michelle, and Black history in America. What would you tell someone who you know, either in your district or otherwise, would say, like, why do we have a Black History Month? Uh, well, first of all, I would say we shouldn't have a Black History Month. I think black history should be incorporated in everything we do. I was so impressed when the First Lady said in one of her speeches, I think it was at the convention, that she wakes up in a house that was built by slaves every day. See, I think a lot of people don't even know the history of African Americans, and they try to set it aside as if it's, you know, African Americans just contributed here, contributed there. We are a part of the fabric of this society. When I think about, when every time I travel to the South, in particular, and uh, particularly when I'm in South Carolina, and I see all the the the, the, the fields of corn and soybeans and whatever, I'm reminded that slaves cleared all that land. That used to be just trees. When I look at the railroad, I think about all the slaves that built the railroads. When I look at all these old brick structures, slaves did that, and people who were paid pennies a day uh, after slavery. Um, And I think about people like the lady that uh, is pictured, is, uh, is uh, displayed in hidden figures. Um, and where she was able to help NASA uh, calculate the, all kinds of numbers so that people like John Glenn could do what he did. I didn't even know about her 
and I'm 66 years old. So what I'm saying is that our history has often been pushed aside. The man who created the uh, stoplights that we go through every day, that we stop for every day. And I could go on and on and on, blood plasma. And so a lot of people, they see, and because that history has been buried, they look at African-Americans quite often and say, oh, you know, they, you know, they're not bright, or they, don't, they haven't contributed anything. So I, I would rather see that history truly intertwined with all other history. Um, but uh, I think it is important to highlight it because I think what it does is it shows that uh, something that I often say is that our diversity is not our problem. Our diversity is our promise. And, you know, when I hire staff, I try to have a, um, a very diverse staff. Why? Because I believe that the blend of the different cultures and people from different backgrounds and all of that bringing together, I get the best product. And you know why? Why that's so important? Because if I'm going to govern, if I'm going to be a part in the process of governing for a diverse population, I think you need a diverse workforce so that they will be sensitive to that entire population. It just makes sense to me. And by the way, it's priceless. I've enjoyed it. Thanks for listening. I'm Sean Zeller. The producers of this show were Evan Campbell and Michaela Rodriguez. CQ on Congress is produced by CQ Roll Call, a leader in nonpartisan political and policy news and analysis for more than 70 years. CQ Roll Call is part of Fiscal Note, a global technology and media company. We'll see you next week.